Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on a magnificent Monday edition of the Yard as we celebrate our first SEC win of the young 2019 football season. Your Bulldogs now 3-1 and one on the year. To be fair, we had hoped to be 4-0, expected to be 4-0. We're not. We're 3-1. and one. However, big win on Saturday is the Bulldogs best Kentucky, which has become generally an annual rite of passage. And and if you'll allow me an opening rant here for a moment or two, uh, one of the things that is interesting to me is that Mississippi State has dominated this rivalry, uh, I believe 11 wins in the past 13 years. And one of those losses took a, uh, a case of Mississippi State suffering from sermonitis in 2016 and it still took a career-long field goal for Kentucky to steal a win. You could make the argument last year 2018 Mississippi State went to Kentucky and laid an egg but Kentucky won the ballgame. Benny Snell won the ballgame. Josh Allen won the ballgame. 
they were at the end of a talent cycle. They get us at home. We go up there, and I, I really think we kind of got caught looking ahead to Florida. We didn't play our best ball game, and we lose. But to hear the Kentucky media talk, you would think this is an even series. It, guys, it's not even as of late. You know, Mississippi State now holds the all-time lead in the series. But for the past 13 years, Mississippi State is 11-2 and against Kentucky. And so when I read and hear these things, I think one of us doesn't know much about football, and it's not me. It's it's not me. And so when I read some of our fans kind of regurgitating those talking points, I think, okay, what's, what's going on here? And people say, well, you know, Steve, Kentucky's got that big front. they got that big offensive line. They've got that big defensive line. They got a, got a couple of good linebackers, and all that's true. Every bit of it's true. But Mississippi State has out recruited Kentucky. Mississippi State looked to be the faster, quicker, more talented team on Saturday. And and I have read uh, with, uh, you know, I shake my head sometimes some of these comments on Facebook. I really do. I really, really do. I love all of you guys, but some of you guys make my head hurt. Say, well, you know, Steve, I mean, yeah, we won the ball game 28-13. We only allowed one offensive touchdown. But you know what? We were really lucky. We're really lucky. You know, and I guess that um, I have learned to be more of an optimist in life. Because when I looked at the ball game, here, here is what I thought. I thought that Kentucky was the lucky one. Because Garrett Schrader is up 21-3 and driving down to put the game away on our final drive of the first half. I believe he was 4-for-4 four four on the drive, and then he got a little bit greedy and kind of got out of his skis a little bit, and he sailed one high to a wide-open Osiris Mitchell and throws, throws an interception there. Kentucky simply could not stop us. And we stopped ourselves there, a freshman mistake. A freshman mistake. Garrett Schrader throws a pick there. And so rather than it being 28-3 or 24-3, it's 21-3. Then we come out with the ball in the second half, and guess what, guys? Like a knife to butter, we're rolling right through them again. They can't stop us. Driving, 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 driving. And then uh, Schrader lays one up for Lee Witherspoon. It is a touchdown. Put a little too much air under it. They're able to bat the ball down. And then the next play, we, we get sacked and we fumble. Again, a freshman mistake there. And you, and you know what happens? You know who, who commits freshman mistakes? Freshman. And you started a freshman quarterback. And so people say, well, you know, if this had happened and that had happened and that didn't happen, you know, this could happen. And you know, we, we'd played with 10 and perhaps the, the ground could have swallowed us whole or whatever. You know, it's, I get so tired of hearing that because there's two plays right there, guys. The difference between 21 to 10 and 35 to 3. The difference is that all the plays count. And so I understand you're not going to make every play. You're not going to always execute at a high level. But the bottom line is this, is that we need to go ahead and start accepting the fact that we're a pretty good football team. It may not be an elite team. It may not be a great team. We're a pretty good football team. And Kentucky should feel fortunate to have escaped with a 15-point loss because Mississippi State is better than 15 points than, better than Kentucky. And I'll be honest with you, I thought that it would be a closer ball game because I thought that they would be able to uh, 
to connect a little more uh, in the passing game. And then Kentucky has some really big athletic receivers. They, they really do. I don't know if we're going to see a group as big as that all year. Alabama will have some very talented wide receivers. LSU will have some very talented wide receivers. But Kentucky, some, some big physical guys for sure. All of that said, Mississippi State won the ball game as expected. Mississippi State preserves the home field. As expected, Mississippi State wins first game in the SEC schedule. As expected. People forget last year we got down 0-2 in the league. So we're 3-1 and and ready to go take, hit the road and go to Auburn. And we're going to talk about Auburn a little bit later in the week. But today we're going to kind of review the weekend, talk about some things that happened, some interesting things that happened on social media. But before we do that, let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Some of the folks that, that are very instrumental in bringing this fine programming to you. Love Bulldog Burger Company. I'm in there probably three to four times a month. Anytime somebody comes to town and says, hey, Steve, let's go to eat at lunch or whatever, wherever you want to pick, I take them to Bulldog Burger because I feel like I'm being the best friend they have when I take them to Bulldog Burger. And it doesn't matter who's paying. When I suggest them go in there, because many of them have never been, and like, oh, well, I've always heard you talk about this. I've heard other people talk about it. And they always leave them, so you know what, I'm coming back. Love Bulldog Burger Company. Go in, find your own favorites. I'm, I'm still riding the Lauren train right now. But let me encourage you to have the spring roll, so make you better looking, and we all need more of that. We all need more of that. Bulldog Burger Company opened a new location in Tupelo. So now two locations to serve you, Starkville and Tupelo, Mississippi. Encourage you to go and find your favorites. Enjoy a great restaurant-quality hamburger. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and Tupelo that people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So let's jump in here and let's talk Mississippi State football, and then we'll kind of get into some things. The first thing, before I forget, I want to go ahead and give a hat tip to uh, to our friends with the famous Maroon Band. You know, there was uh, – I, I, so I got a, a – I have a family chat set up with all my kids, you know, so you kind of know what's going on. You know how it is. I'm sure everybody has that. And I uh, got a text from my youngest daughter about the Kentucky kickers coming out and, and um, practicing during the um, the famous Maroon Band's halftime show. Now, let me tell you, that that's not atypical, okay? They, they, Kentucky did come out a little bit early. did cause a little bit of a buzz there. And then some people were complaining about it on social media. And then the Kentucky specialists, you know, they have a, you know, like Mississippi State has a really cool, Twitter account, social media following, you know, with uh, Jace Christman and Cody Sheck Snyder and Tucker Day, and you know, they've got like an account where they're being kind of silly. Well, Kentucky has one, except but it's not funny. And so they made a comment yesterday, basically telling the famous Maroon Band that they didn't matter. And before the afternoon was over, the Kentucky specialists had protected their tweets. And uh, as I noticed on their on their bio, it hashtag was bring it. And as I joked, I guess that was only for decorative purposes because as Mississippi State's famous Maroon Band alums and others responded to their pithy comment, uh, they elected to run and hide. And uh, famous Maroon Band uh, trolled those guys. When the replay of the game came on last night, they tagged them and said, hey, in case you guys missed it, here it is again. And let, let me share with you this. For those of you that have not had any experience with the famous Maroon Band other than a game day experience. Let me go ahead and share with you this. You don't know Smarmy and Smart Alec until you have encountered the famous Maroon Band. Okay? And, I, and I've documented some of this in the new book. 
<laughs> uh, and this goes back generations. The famous Maroon Band, you, they, those guys are, that there is an esprit de corps with that group and the alums, there, there is just a fraternity of sorts. And if you come after the Maroon Band, you're going to have band parents and former band members and you're going to have bulldogs of all walks of life. They're going to respond. And so tip of the cap to our good friends in the famous Maroon Band. I don't think you needed defending, but I'm glad that uh, you're able to handle that stuff yourself. Add a couple of more uh, numbers to the body count. So let's get into uh, to some Mississippi State football here. Of course, the big news on Saturday was the fact that Tommy Stevens did not start. And let me let me share with you this because I think it's important. I've kind of joked about this, but I mean it. Uh, I mean it as, as earnestly as I can say it. Joe Moorhead's Monday injury reports are uh, for entertainment purposes only. And I don't say that to be critical of Joe, but we don't need to hang on any of that because two weeks ago, Joe said that he wouldn't rule Tommy out, and then Tommy started against Kansas State, and then he said last Monday Tommy was in a much better situation, and Tommy didn't even dress. And so I think there is a um, there's a bit of uh, showmanship and gamesmanship in some of what Joe's doing and saying with the media. I think maybe perhaps he's talking to opponents and trying to cause a little bit of a confusion and that's and that's okay uh so whatever you hear today about tommy stevens you know maybe it's safe to assume the opposite but the bottom line is garrett schrader got his first collegiate start and was outstanding in the ball game absolutely outstanding in the ball game it just it just one of those things you just kind of felt honestly there was only one stretch in there that I that I got a little bit nervous and that was in the third quarter after we had missed putting them away twice and then they go down and score and it's 21-10 I'm thinking okay then we had to get the ball back I'm thinking man this is going to be difficult got to hang on to it got to hang on to it here guys ball security is something that we're still having to deal with and it's somebody that's being freshman but but the bottom line is this, Mississippi State wins a ball game. So let's run through this here real quick, real quickly. Kind of give you some uh, some insight as we go. As all these notifications roll in. So Mississippi State gets going early. And we had talked about on the show many times last week, I guess for the last week or so, that uh, we expected the full complement of Bulldogs to be available um, that have been sitting Second and five from the Kentucky 48. Sawyer Smith uh, attempts to throw a pass, and Willie Gay steps in front, takes it back 52 yards for a touchdown. I, I thought then when it happened, you know, because I've been a Mississippi State fan a long time, I thought to myself, I said, I know exactly how this ball game is going to go. We're fixing to win the ball game. I thought Willie came out and set an edge and set the tone for Mississippi State. I think having him having him back out there, I think, it, number one, it shows how much he loves the game of football and how much he loves Mississippi State. But you know it's going to be a tight ball game, so any time that you can put non-offensive touchdowns on the board, it seems like they count twice as much. Because Kentucky had come out and they had a little success running the football. A seam Rose comes out and has an 8-yarder and a 10-yard gain. Next thing you know, they're, they're rolling, right? The next thing you know, it's 7 nothing Mississippi State. At the time, a penalty, there was a celebration penalty for Willie Gay. Willie is actually on the sidelines, but Willie is not in the box. And what the box means, for those of you that don't know, 
there's a box on the sidelines that the players can go down to, okay, and it's it, it's kind of aproned off there. You can take your helmet off once you've returned to the box, but you can't take your hat off on the field of play. Now, now Willie technically was not on the field of play. He was to the left over there right before the men's basketball group got uh, honored. But that's the penalty, and it seemed like no big deal. It proved to be a big deal later, though, right? So Kentucky gets the ball back, and uh, it's not much going on there. They they did come out and they got you know, got Lynn Bowden involved, and Cavassier's Moat got a couple of gains, and the next thing you know, there's a there's a punt. State gets the ball back, and it just kind of felt like okay, Garrett Schrader just kind of needs to settle in here. But he's got a lead, and nothing could be better for a young quarterback than to have a lead where you realize, you know what, if I make a big mistake here, we we still got the lead, or worst case, we're tied. You come out, you start working down the tight end. There's Farad there, 18 yards for Colin. Pass complete to Zuber, three for Colin, two for Colin. Uh, and then we end up punting. And uh, there was one, the, the pass to Isaiah Zuber on third and 10 from the Kentucky 48. If that ball is up and out to the boundary, that's probably going to be a big play. But we left the ball inside and he hit the defender in the back. But all in all, a pretty good first drive. You go out there and you, and you get a couple of first downs and uh, you kind of flip the field on them you know, and, and had a chance to really, really put them back deep. Uh, so Kentucky comes back and then Kentucky again begins to run the football. I thought Rose really ran hard for Kentucky. Not the same kind of back as Benny Snell. But a, an explosive first step, really quick guy, doesn't have the big bulk. I guess he can't really move the pile, but, man, he is really good in space. The big 31-yard gain, another four-yard gain, you bring in smoke, and he goes for a loss there. Bowden's back in, 15-yard rush there. Uh, so they're mixing and matching here, but they're really attacking Mississippi State on the edges. And that's something that uh, will be a little different, I guess. A lot of these teams in the spread, that's what they want to do. They want to get the ball to the corner. Uh, I thought Kentucky did a good job. Seeing the edge out there, and, and especially uh, on that jet sweep, I was jet sweep, the jet sweep action stuff were on the inside handoff. They did do a good job with every bit of that. They go down and get the field goal. Thought defensively State really kind of bowed up. Once we got deeper, once we got close to the red zone, you know, you're going to move the ball a little bit at times against State between the 20s. But I thought when they, when we got down low, we really kind of buckled down. Really, really thought that that defensive front played better once they got kind of in the shadow of their own goalpost. Really, really did a good job. Uh, See, so it's 7-3 now. Mississippi State gets the ball back. Again, we, we go right back to Collin. We go to Collin for two, complete to Farad for three, and then a complete pass to Malik Deer, who I thought had his best game in a couple of years. And uh, looks to have more of his burst back. I don't know if he's ever going to be the same. But I like the wrinkle with him. And I, and I thought on that third and five play, Schrader did a great job to find him. Uh, Malik Deer is going to make some big plays for us. Then Collins for two. Then we're complete to Dedrick Thomas for 21. Dedrick Thomas, probably the best game he's had this year. I don't, I don't think there's any question. They didn't find the end zone. But, man, I'll tell you what, that guy, every time we needed a big play, it seemed like he was there to make it. So you end the first quarter 7-3. We get down into uh, that second quarter, and this is where it really seemed like the Mississippi State offensive line began to really kind of take over the ball game. Still mixed the match a little bit, but not like we have. It wasn't quite as liberal uh, a substitution pattern as it has been recently. But um, a good day 
for the Bulldog offensive line. And that was one of the things, again, we people would, we had talked about and we'd heard about is that, you know, that Kentucky front is so big. And I, and I really thought the Mississippi State offensive line really kind of whipped those guys. I thought State really did a good job of kind of moving those guys around. Dedrick Thomas, a couple of catches for 46 yards. Seemed like he had more than that. Maybe not. Uh, so that second quarter, we continue that drive. You come down, Garrett Schrader goes for seven. And that's one of the things with him that I really thought he did an excellent job of is the escapability factor. When, when he was flushed, he made people pay with his feet, really got out and ran well. And then, then there's the, the great pass to catch and run for Farad Green down to the 12-yard line. And then Colin rushes it. And I'll tell you, in case you missed it, Dedrick Thomas with the key block there on the perimeter really, really, really sprung Colin. And Colin, of course, t- takes off from the four-yard line, dives into the end zone. Uh, they reviewed it. A little bit worried about that ball coming loose, but uh, worked out well for the Bulldogs. And uh, at that point, it just felt like State was rolling. It was 14-3, but it was it was a – it seemed like a bigger 14-3 because it seemed like State had all the momentum. It felt like State was rolling downhill. You've had a couple drives early. Kentucky scripts some things out, and then they've been able to manage three points there. And really, State – allowed them, I think, to kind of stay in there some with some bad tackling. And that's one of the things that's kind of been consistent. And it wasn't as bad this week, but, man, there were some huge misses. And we'll get to some of them later in the show. But State's got to get better tackling. I mean, as great as this game was, there are a lot of things we could do better, for sure. So now it's a 14-3 ball game. Kentucky comes out. Smoke rushes for four. You complete the Keaton Upshaw for 19. An incompletion, a rush for two losses, and then for two yards, and then Sawyer Smith sacked by Fletcher Adams. The Mississippi State pass rush is the best they've looked all year. Now, some of that had to do with a style of play for Kentucky because Kentucky wanted to do more of that drop-back passing type stuff, and so it's more of a, a traditional offense type stuff where that's not the quick release or trying to get the ball on the edges. And so I think State took advantage. I believe three sacks and five hurries on the day, and it, and it felt like all day long State was getting pushed because, again, all, all I had heard all week is how great that Kentucky front was. So they end up punting, and uh, State gets the ball back, and you just kind of felt like right here that this this was a, a drive where State could just kind of take control of the game, and that is exactly what happened. Uh, Garrett Schrader with a pass out to Javante Payton, not, not much there. And then next thing you know, Schrader is loose for 36 yards. Doesn't have the foot speed that Nick Fitzgerald does, but might have a, a little more wiggle than Nick. Nick's a good straight-line runner, but Garrett made to get a couple guys missing open field there. Then we come right back to Peyton, who looked outstanding, I thought, on the play. You, you, you're beginning to kind of see, you know, what he has, what the potential that he has. Uh, the next thing you know, Colin, there's a loss for Colin. Garrett gets loose again for 12. Colin for three. Complete to Zuber down to the 15. And then Colin rushes for 13 down the two. Nearly got in again on a, on a diving attempt there. And then he eventually does get in for his second touchdown of the game. And it's 21-3. to three, And I think at this point, everybody, including Kentucky, felt like, you know what, these that Mississippi State is kind of taking control of this ball game. And Colin Hill, again, kind of much maligned last year after the ball game. And I shared some of those comments, uh, some of those post-game Twitter comments from 2018. You know, uh, Cash Daniel making the comment. And some people are like, oh, well, Steve, what do what, you what, what said was right? you know. And so here's the deal about that. Uh, yeah, I guess it's true, technically. But here's the deal. 
maybe when you're a senior as a parting shot, you have something to say, but when you've got to come back down here the next year, it's usually best to just keep your mouth shut. And so, because that ends up being a motivational tool the next year. And it was. And I was told privately this week that that was one of the things we, they had talked about. Do not f- fight this battle on social media. So we grew up a little bit. But nobody, I can assure you, nobody in the SEAL football complex forgot about any of that stuff that was said last year in the postgame. Nope, nobody. Nobody forgot. In fact, they were reminded of it. That became a motivational factor. So then you come back in Kentucky, you know, puts a drive together, and then I say put a drive together. They had the one big play with Bouton got loose for 17 yards, and then there's an incompletion there, and then Sawyer Smith has sacked Tim Washington with his first career sack, and Tim has been a very good serviceable linebacker for Mississippi State. Uh, and the next thing you know, they've got a punt again. But again, the Bulldog front seven – kind of making life miserable on Kentucky. Put them behind the chains, third and 17. You know, at that point, there's just not much going on. There was a big, big lick from Errol Thompson there, too. Really thought the Bulldog linebackers played perhaps their best game of the year. Really felt like they were seeing the field well. Now we've got a chance to put the game away. We've got a chance right here to just end the game. I mean, we could go in at the half of 28-3. Garrett Schrader comes out 14 to Osiris. Eight more to Osiris, nine to Osiris. I kind of like feeding five. I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of like feeding him. We'd spread the ball around a lot. Let's go out there and go to our guy. Then we hit a pass complete to Austin Williams for 20. We're down to the 32-yard line, and there's plenty of time left. You know, you're just thinking to yourself, you know, we're, we're fixing to go ahead and put this thing away. And then Garrett gets a little bit greedy, mechanically kind of falls apart there. The ball sells on him, intercepted by Mosley at the 12. You know, if that ball's on target, if you go back and look at that, we're going to have it deep inside the red zone there with a chance to at the very least get a field goal but and, and a chance to go up four scores. I mean, just it just kind of felt like the game was was really, really trending in Mississippi State's favor, pardon me, three scores. But it was a chance to kind of put the game away. That would have been four scores. Again, I'm getting over my skis here. But a fresher mistake there. They did absolutely nothing with it, really. Um but the the biggest problem I guess you've got with all that, that next drive for Kentucky, is you have a little hand fighting between uh, Stenman and, and Willie Gay, and it's Gay's second unsportsmanlike conduct penalty of the game, so he is ejected. And all of this after a third and 15, where State gets a big sag by Chauncey Rivers, who I thought had his best game of the year. And so... You're getting off the field, and this is where, again, and I'm, I'm not being critical of Willie Gay, but at the same time, I guess I am. You've got the big play on third and 15. You're getting off the field. You're finished. Go to the sideline celebrate with your teammates, but instead, and listen, I, I understand some things happen on the football field, but you cannot get baited into that. You can't get baited into that, and that's one of the things that happen, and that's we really would like to – to be better, and I kind of tweeted that out there. Is this when you're when you're a hit, you had the scoreboard do the talking. You don't have to get out there and run your mouth when you're winning. When you're up 21 to three and they can't do anything offensively, just go to the locker room. I want to remind you guys too, if some of you like to have a little skin in the game, that our friends at my bookie are there to serve you. My bookie, a longtime sponsor of the Boneyard during football season. 
several of our listeners have had good experiences with them. You know, NFL season's a lot of fun, and some of you guys are good at picking winners, and maybe it's time for you to put your money where your mouth is and go out there and, and prove to yourself. Uh, and so if gambling is your sort of thing, if you like to have some skin in the game, our friends at my book, you're more than happy to serve you. For Boneyard listeners, they will double your initial deposit. You use promo code Boneyard, B-O-N-E-Y-A-R-D, to activate that offer. Again, they will they'll double your initial deposit uh, to get you going. They're happy to have you because uh, who, who you bet on is only as important as where you're betting. You know, if you understand what I'm saying, you want to deal with people that are reputable. You want to deal with people that they're going to pay you when you win. Because, you know, you've got those friends you bet with and you never see them again, right, when you win the big bet. My, that won't happen with my bookie. That's mybookie.ag. They're there to serve you. Again, mybookie.ag. And activate that promo code, Boneyard, for your first deposit to be doubled. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. So look at the second half here. Uh, State comes out again. You're, you're riding you're riding down the field. Schrader comes out very efficient. Colin for 12, Colin for 5, Colin for 7. And you're already at midfield. You're already at midfield. And things are, it just seemed like we came out ready to end the ball game. Schrader completes Zuber. Short get lost for Colin. Then we're complete to Malik Deer again on third and five for 20 yards. We're knocking on the door again. Colin for nine, Colin for two. Get ready to go, people. Next thing you know, <laughs> we float that pass up there to Witherspoon. Just couldn't get it complete. A little too much air underneath it. It's going to be a touchdown. Then Colin goes for no gain, and then Schrader sacked for a loss of five and fumbles the football. A wild sequence there. You go from being tw- up 28-3 to three to giving them the football back, and it seemed like that, that gave them some life. They go right on down. Right on down. It just seemed like it seemed like that play ignited them a little bit. And of course, they had made Eddie Grant's a longtime offensive coordinator, at Kentucky. This guy's a veteran. They made some adjustments. You come out. They go to Josh Ali, who I thought had a great game for Kentucky. Really did. Really impressed with him. That Kentucky wide receiver group is is a real challenge. Twenty yards there. Rose rushes for twenty-five. You got two more yards from Rose. And then Sawyer Smith hits Lynn Bowden down to the state 12, and it just kind of seemed like, okay, they're going to skate right in here. Ultimately, they, they score on a smoke. Smoke runs from two yards out. If I'm not mistaken, he goes in untouched. And it's 21-10, to 10, and it felt like all the momentum that State had. Again, back-to-back drives where State is driving down for the kill shot, and you turn the football over. That had nothing to do with Kentucky. It's about Mississippi State's inability to execute in those situations. Kentucky took advantage. And then it seems like here we kind of stalled out a little bit. Colin for six, and then the next thing you know, we get a false start. Colin for no gain, Colin for three. And then on the third and 16, I thought this was one of those money plays. Garrett Schrader completes to Dedrick Thomas for 25, a great corner route, throw and catch. Uh, Malik Deer rushes for no gain. Colin Hill for seven. And then we're incomplete to Spivey. Just one of those things that happens. You know, I mean, it just seemed like right there that, you know, maybe perhaps we, we forced the ball a little bit and uh, we end up having a punt there. Probably should have downed it inside the five. If Chris Rayford's on this team, Tucker Day's probably an All-American. 
and then Kentucky gets the ball there and, and, and pretty much puts the quarter away. But uh, there were a couple of elongated drives there and just not, not much to say for Mississippi State. So we get into the decisive fourth quarter, and fourth quarters have been an adventure for the Mississippi State defense all year. Even in games that we've won the fourth quarter, we, I don't know if we just kind of gassed out or whatever, but the bottom line is fourth quarters have not been good for us. This one was a little bit different. Sawyer Smith comes out, starts fourth quarter, and he's complete 39 yards, and they're knocked on the door to 23, complete to Thomas for eight, down to the 15, rows for six, rows for one, incomplete, incomplete, and then they miss a field goal. Chance Poor misses another field goal. Maybe spend less time tweeting, more time practicing. State gets the ball back, and it felt like, okay, we had kind of wrestled control back because for a while there it seemed like we couldn't do anything right. Schrader complete to Mitchell for five. Colin rushes for 14. Schrader gets a big sack there, and the next thing you know, we, we dump it down, and um, I guess Garrett ran for 11 there. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, we end up having a punt back, and it seemed like we were going to be able to flip the field, but then we, we they get a good return. They're out to 34. And then right here is when I think everybody kind of drew up a little bit. We're thinking, oh, my goodness, here we go. We're going to have to fight and finish this ball game. Kentucky puts together one of their best drives of the day. 11 plays, 55 yards. Sawyer Smith complete to, to Bowden for 20. Smoke for six. Sawyer Smith gets flushed and goes for three. Leo Lewis for the tackle there. Uh, and then it just kind of seemed like everything was kind of going their way. And then we get Stenberg on that face mask penalty. And it seemed like all game long that the umpire kept missing those. Uh, there was a couple times Darrell Williams takes hands to the face and there's no penalty charge to Kentucky. So we finally get them. It's now it's a first and 25. You're thinking, okay, they're behind the chains. We're going to put this thing away. And then we give, then Todd Williams gets flagged for pass interference and end zone. It was pass interference. It was P.I. And so that you take them from a first and 25 and you give them a first down. Those are the type of plays that, that young guys make that change the outcome of ball games. We talk about a couple of freshman mistakes. Tyler Williams not a freshman, but he's still a young guy. He's played exceptionally well all year. Makes a mistake here, really kind of upsets the balance of things. And then they don't capitalize on it. They, they end up kick a field goal there. But I can only begin to imagine what, what if we had been able to to keep them out right there. What what if what if we get them in a first and twenty-five and we can kind of pin our ears back and kind of chase Sawyer Smith, who was a little bit hobbled with a bad shoulder. So now it's 21-13, and you're getting the ball back, and you're thinking, okay, and I even tweeted this, we need to go make a play to win the ball game. Simple as that. We can't sit around waiting for them to lose. And it's one of the things that I will say a lot about when Dan Mullen was here. We didn't always have a killer instinct. There were times we kind of just, you know, were waiting for the clock to run out or waiting for the other team to make a mistake. We didn't just go win the game. That's one thing I'll say with Joe is when we have an opportunity to win the game, Joe calls plays to go win the ball game. And I thought Joe Moorhead called an excellent game, especially considering the circumstances with a freshman quarterback. You take away two plays, and this ball game is a complete blowout. But all those plays count. But I thought Joe called a great game, and I thought this last drive, and I'm going to ask him about this later today, but I thought this drive was significant, especially on the third and four play. And before we get to that, remember, we're trying to run clock here. So Colin runs for a couple yards. The clock is rolling. Schrader for four. They call timeout. 
on third and four. This, I think, played into Mississippi State's hands. I expected on third and four, and if I'm defensive coordinator for Kentucky with a freshman quarterback, I know State's going to try to make a play here to move the chains, probably going to get him out in a run-pass option situation, give him the option to run or throw, so we're going to bring pressure. Well, Joe kind of counters that. They bring pressure, and next thing you know, you've got a quarterback run, and Schrader gets loose for 49 yards. And at that point, it felt like the game was over. No matter what the final score was going to be, it just simply felt like the game was over. Collin rushes for one. Schrader rushes for 18 more. It's first down at the, at the Kentucky one. And then Collin would not be denied scoring his third touchdown of the game. First uh, time since 2011. Mississippi State's had a running back score three touchdowns in a game. Jason Christman kicks it through. It's 28-13 at this time. It's, it's time to celebrate at this point. A minute 34 to go in the game. And quite frankly, I, th- I thought Mississippi State's defense was about to tee off here. Uh, so complete to Ali. Again, Ali had a good game. Uh, delay of the game, penalty. Complete to Ali again for 12 for a first down. That was on a big fourth and ten play. Uh, and then next thing you know, Mississippi State's C.J. Morgan tries to make an interception, collides with Allen Daly. They flag him for targeting. They review it. They rightly pick up the flag. And then people, and I, I read the comments on people who say, well, you know, they, they have to call it. No, they don't have to call it. No, they don't. Because I think anybody who watched that play, and it's difficult to assign motive, there was no attempt to injure there. There was no attempt to attack. There was no attempt to go helmet to helmet. He's making a play on the football. C.J. Morgan is trying to intercept the football, and he collided with Allen Daly. That is not in the spirit of the rule. And, and, and well, you know, they got to review it. No, no, they don't. Sometimes they can exercise judgment here. We don't have to always default to say, well, that might be targeting, so let me throw the penalty. That's one of the things that, uh, that infuriates me sometimes about officiating. Stop anticipating calls. Call the game, and as infractions happen, you flag them. We don't call a penalty wondering if it's a penalty. Well, you know, we got the benefit of replay here, so let's go ahead and throw this flag here. And so basically it's one of those you're guilty until you're proven innocent deals, even though in this situation there was no intent to injure. He is trying to make a play on the football. Now, they got it right, but I had heard Matt Stinchcomb say, well, you know, uh, this has made the system work properly. No, it didn't. It's an official making a bad call and then using the benefit of replay to bail him out of a bad call. Fair enough. And at the end of the day, the proper call was made. But I think that was an unnecessary review, just my personal opinion. State gets the ball back, runs the clock out. Uh, So let's look at a couple things here just because I think they're important. Uh, Garrett Schrader, I don't know that he could have played it any better. He was your leading rusher in that ball game, thanks to that 49-yard rush. Uh, so 11 carries for 125 yards, averaging 11.4 yards. I, I, I'd be surprised if he's not your freshman of the week. Uh, Colin Hill, 26 carries, 120 yards, three touchdowns. Big day for him. Malik Deer, one carry for no yards. And so this Mississippi State running back depth situation is a little bit precarious. We need Nick Gibson to be back. Garrett Schrader, 17 of 22 with the one interception. Long pass, 25, sacked twice. 
you take away that one interception, man, it's a flawless day almost. Really, really good day by the freshman. I think people are really excited about the future. Spread the ball around a good bit. Osiris Mitchell with 4 for 36. Farad Green, 3 for 20. Isaiah Zuber, 3 for 16. Dutter Thomas, 2 for 46. Malik Deer, 2 for 28. Javante Payton, 2 for 14. Austin Williams, 1 for 20. Defensively, Mississippi State played pretty well. Tackling was an issue. Uh, Brian, on that, that's one big fourth down play. When they threw the ball short of the chains to Bowden, and then he got loose. Brian Cole had him stopped, and then he powered through Brian Cole. That's not something that's going to happen very often. It was disappointing to see for sure. Cam Dancer missed a big tackle uh, in the ball game. And uh, th- those are the things you look at, and they, you, you kind of beat your head against a wall. But uh, C.J. Morgan, who has been much maligned by our fan base, who I think has played pretty well at times, he is not the fleetest of foot. So there, there will be times he's going to get beat over the top. And uh, sadly, in this league, you get beat over the top with a touchdown. But he led with nine tackles. Jaquarius Landrews uh, with seven tackles. He will hold on to the team lead uh, when it comes to uh, tackles. I believe it's 31 now for the year for him. Errol Thompson with seven. Cam Dancer with five. And a big one late in the ballgame. Uh, Leo Lewis with three. Uh, and then tackles for loss. Chauncey Rivers with one. Tim Washington with one. Willie Gay with one. Fletcher Adams with one. Lee Autry with one. Thought three sacks on a day. Chauncey Rivers, Tim Washington, and Fletcher Adams. Rarely thought we did a good job kind of setting the tone for them. Uh, so let's, uh, let's you know, feel good about the win. But there were some teachable moments. But I, I'm still waiting for State to put together that complete game. You, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like there there's always going to be a mistake here and there. You're never going to be – 100% proficient in a ball game, but it just felt like you know what we had. We were really close. You know, if we make a couple tackles here, and we don't get a little loose and fast with the football, we dominate and probably blow Kentucky out. Probably a 42 to three or 10 type deal. I mean, it just seemed like we kind of let them hang around, but we were talented enough to kind of overcome that. I want to remind you guys, uh, we're the next home game is LSU. We, you know, we're going to be on the road this weekend. We'll have a bad week, and then we'll go to Tennessee, but. Uh, when you're in town, and maybe if you're planning for that road trip, go visit our friends at Campus Bookmart. Stan Ramis, Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there will treat you like family because you are family. It's as simple as that. You can outfit your home, your RV, your pet, everything you have right there at campusbookmart.net. If you can't make it to town, that's the way to go. Campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a promo code. That promo code is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. I need to go by there myself and get some new gear. I do. There's a couple things I need to get. Love going by there and seeing those people. It always makes me feel good when I go in there. Always. So let's look around the league here real quick. The uh, I want to weigh in on this uh, Ole Miss Cal thing because there have been so many people out there that have said things that, that are not accurate. Uh, the first thing that I want to tell you is Elijah Moore did not make it in. The uh, the Pac-12 released a video earlier today, I guess maybe late yesterday, and it's from the opposite sideline, and you can see Elijah Moore's momentum carries him out of the end zone to make the catch. He is short of the line to gain. The right call was made, and so let's go ahead and, and take that to its natural conclusion. People are saying, well, you know, it should have been reviewed. I agree. It should have been reviewed. However... There would have been no evidence to support reversing the call, and Ole Miss would have been gifted essentially a timeout in that situation. 
And so the outcome was just. I think that the, the call should have been reviewed just because of the fact it's an end-of-game type scenario and it was so close, you want to get it right. But at the end of the day, the right call was made. And then Ole Miss scrambles around and, and they, they try to run the, the sneak and they don't make it in and give John Rice Plumley a lot of credit for coming in cold off the bench and really igniting that final uh, rally for them. But the bottom line is what what happened is what should have happened. At the end of the day, Ole Miss did not score and they should not have been gifted a timeout and give them a chance, uh, you know, to regroup and run a play. You know, why should they benefit from that scenario? The fact of the matter is that they shouldn't. It was a great job by the official. It was the right call by the official. And at the end of the day, Cal won the football game, as we said they should have all along. So uh, looking around the league here, uh, Southern Miss – gets destroyed by Alabama. Alabama will host Ole Miss this weekend. That'll, that'll be a fun one for all involved. Uh, but uh, Southern Miss, you know, they'll do good in their league. I'm sure they're happy to get away from the SEC. Uh, LSU dominates Vanderbilt 66-38. But, you know, LSU defensively is giving up a ton of points. Now, they're scoring a lot of points, but they're giving up a ton of points. Texas scored on them. Vanderbilt scored on them. What's going to happen when teams like Alabama and and A&M and LSU and, and, uh, and Auburn play against them. You know, and Auburn struggled to score a little bit too, but when you play some teams that have some ability to slow you down a bit, it's going to be interesting. I'm not, I'm not completely sold on this LSU team, even though I think that offense is scary. Defensively, they have some question marks. Dan Mullen in Florida dominates Tennessee 34-3, and I don't know if you watched that ball game. The, the Tennessee defense uh, bowed up and, and played with a little bit of pride late in that ball game, where that ball game would have been a 50-3 ball game. I mean, it was – Florida did whatever they wanted to do. A lot of people were concerned about Felipe Franks going out, and uh, you wish him the best. But with Kyle Trask, I think Florida's going to be just fine. Uh, Auburn on the road upsets. I, I say upsets. Auburn's ranked higher, but I, I think, honestly, and I'll admit it, Auburn might be a little better than I ex- expected. I really thought A&M would win that football game at home at College Station. I really did because it's in September. And one of the things I think is interesting, too, you know, A&M paid so much money for, for Jimbo Fisher. Uh, they've already got two losses this year. They've already got two losses, and they still got to play LSU. they still got to play Alabama. You know, maybe we look at this and say, you know what? Jimbo's an 8-4, and 9-3 guy. It's just the reality of it. And, and maybe A&M overpaid for a coach. But, uh, you know, I, I think sitting here in September – and uh, looking at what what they've got coming ahead, I mean, I, I think you look at this and say, you know what, it's going to be the same old seven, five, eight, and four Texas A&M team. You know that they blast Texas State and they blast Lamar, but then when they've played two SEC defenses, they've really struggled. And Auburn was well ahead in that ball game, and then I think it's fourth quarter before A&M finally scores a touchdown. Now A&M will get right this week as they'll visit Arkansas. And then they'll host Alabama, and then they'll travel to Ole Miss, and they'll feel good about life after those ball games. But you know, you begin to look at this thing and say, okay, you're four games into this thing, you're two and two, and so you're staring four and three right in the face, heading down the home stretch. I don't think that's what you know. You paid all that money, and you're looking, you're looking at three losses, and then you get that LSU game late. It's and then you got Georgia on top of it. I mean, just think about that for a second. You've already got two losses, and you're you're looking three more right in the face. 
What a brutal schedule. Stick at Alabama, stick at LSU, stick at Georgia. And then you've got toss-ups in there like against Mississippi State and South Carolina. This could be a really, really interesting year for A&M. Really, really could. So uh, South Carolina goes on the road to Missouri. Missouri beats them. And uh, this is going to kind of be the case the rest of the year. Missouri's going to be able to score. South Carolina's not going to be able to score. Uh, South Carolina is really kind of already chasing ball eligibility. I think Missouri's going to be good, okay? And I, and I, they it'll be interesting to see what they do against teams like Florida. I don't think they've got the horses to play Georgia, but you know, Mizzou three and one right now. They will host Troy this weekend, then they host Ole Miss, then they go to Vanderbilt, and then they're at Kentucky. I'm going to call right now. They're going to win all four of those ball games, so they're looking at being at seven and one when they go to Georgia on November 9th. Looks good to me. That that Mizzou offense is rolling, brother. They are they are rolling. I mean, they're they're staring seven and one right in the face, and then there'll there'll be a two game stretch there that will define their season. They're traveling to Georgia and they host Florida. Then they'll host Tennessee, and then they'll travel to Arkansas. You can go ahead and throw those last two games in. And so what's going to determine the quality of their season is going to be those games against Georgia and Florida, just like we said it would. But they're about to go through a pretty good stretch here, and and, and Missouri will be a top 15 team, possibly a top 10 team when they they play Georgia between the hedges. Uh, The South Carolina thing is awfully interesting. They're already one in three, already one in three. And their their lone win was against Charleston Southern, seventy-two to ten. They will host Kentucky this weekend, and I think both of those teams are going to be absolutely desperate. Both of those teams are already chasing by eligibility. They're already starting to count games. We're, we're four games into this thing, and they're already starting to have to count games. South Carolina's got to win, no doubt about it. The next week they go to Georgia, that's a loss. They host Florida the next week, that's a loss. So you're already one in three, and you're looking at two losses in your next couple, next three ball games. And people forget that at the end of the year, they're going to host Clemson. Think about that for a second. You're already staring six losses in the face right now. You're one in three, one in three with Georgia, and Florida, and Clemson to go. Not to mention South Carolina's always bound to drop one they're not supposed to. It's incredible. I mean, it really is. We're already four games into the season, and they're already starting to panic a little bit up there. San Jose State knocks off Arkansas. Uh, Guys, this is awful. This is awful for the league. This is awful for Arkansas. It's awful for Chad Morris. And that's one of the things I look at this thing, and Chad, it's just not working out, man. I mean, you go out and you get two grad transfers, and your quarterback situation is worse. And then, uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I believe Story, Ty Story's at Western Kentucky. They come to Arkansas in November. Wouldn't that be poetic justice? Arkansas 2-2, two and 0-1 two, oh in the league. And you begin to look at these games and you say, okay, outside of Western Kentucky, who are they going to be favored to beat? Let me ask you, answer that for you now. Nobody. Absolutely nobody. They will host A&M this weekend. A&M will beat them. They will travel to Kentucky. Kentucky will beat them. Kentucky has some offensive pieces. Then Auburn travels to Arkansas. Auburn will beat them. Arkansas goes to Alabama. That's a bloodletting. They host Mississippi State. will win that ball game. Then they get Kentucky. The one thing about the uh, 
the schedule for Arkansas, you look at it and say, well, they get some some of those decent, winnable games at home. But I think it's pretty safe to say that Arkansas is staring three and nine right in the face. What do you do when you have a coach that goes back to back zero and eight in the SEC? Not to mention, look at what they're losing off this roster. I mean, that that's the thing when you look at it. people say, well, you know, they're recruiting at a high level. I don't know if you know this, but uh, they, they, they had one big decommitment over the weekend. Going to have some others. You know, but you look at, you know, defensively, you know, McTelvin, that game, is, he's a senior. He'll be coming out. Uh, you know, Rakeem Boyd has been kind of their whole offense, and uh, you know, he's a junior this year, but, you know, can they talk him into coming back? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, ben Hicks is a grad transfer senior. Starkle's a grad transfer senior. You know, Trey Knox is a really good player for them at wide receiver. But, you know, when you begin to look around this roster, you begin to realize this is a veteran group that's losing bad. And yeah, they're playing some younger guys, but uh, what, what happens next year? What happens next year when Wiley and those guys are gone? Those are the things that I like and I begin to ask myself. So, you know, if you're Arkansas, you renovate the stadium, uh, and now you can look at a lot of empty seats because that's what you're facing the rest of the year. Uh, Notre Dame goes to Georgia, and I tweeted this too, guys. As a fan of college football, I have enjoyed this Georgia-Notre Dame home-and-home deal. I mean, it's been great. I mean, it really has. Georgia wins the ball game 23-17. I really thought Notre Dame defensively was a lot faster than I had anticipated. I really thought athletically Georgia would be able to to out-athlete Notre Dame. And I think at the wide receiver position, maybe they did because I thought Notre Dame really struggled to cover. Uh, probably could have been a half dozen more personal, I mean, a pass interference penalties called. But Notre Dame linebackers especially, very fast, very athletic. Georgia wins a ball game, huge for the conference, uh, huge for the playoffs. Those rankings won't come out for a while, uh, but this win over Notre Dame will certainly help Georgia kind of stay in the mix there. Got a really good chance to have two teams in the FBS playoff from the SEC again. Pac-12, I guess unless Cal gets hot here down the stretch, probably won't have anybody. So uh, we're going to be back on Wednesday, and uh, we'll begin to kind of look ahead, and we'll talk about what Jim Moorhead and offensive players had to say. We'll talk about uh, defensive players on Friday and kind of preview the weekend. But uh, this should be an interesting day. We'll have Jim Moorhead today. And, again, all this talk about injuries, because all we've, you know, we've heard a couple weeks ago that, hey, only Darian Parker's only got expected to be out, and then Cam was out, and Nick Gibson was out. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how things go. But, you know, don't don't fall in love. And we've got to learn from that too because every coach is a little bit different. You know, Dan Mullen was a little bit guarded about all that stuff. Joe is a little bit cagey about it. You know, it's like he's guarded, but he'll kind of talk about it some. You know, Dan was really pretty consistent not talking about injuries. And then towards the end of his time here, he would be a little more open about it, I guess, at times. But uh, but it's one of those things that I, I just think to myself that uh, we all find out together on Saturdays because every week this season there has been some question about who is going to play, when they're going to play, how they're going to play, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I can't imagine having to navigate a season managing with all of that, with all these suspensions and that sort of stuff that's going on here. The good thing about that is, is that we are four games into this, 
and many of those guys who were the suspended the the, the Tudor Gate ten have sat four games, and so you've got eight regular season games remaining, and the majority of those guys will be able to play in half of them. Now you got a couple guys that uh, well one two guys that have played I guess in a ball game this past weekend for the first time, and then you got one guy that's played in two games, and so there you know there's still some some time to sit for those, and maybe by the end of the year. You've got that figured out. Uh, people continue to ask, hey, Steve, who do you, what games do you think they play in? If I had to call it today, I would say they play against Tennessee, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. I think you've got to win those three games. Now, you could re- revisit that as bad as Arkansas looks right now. You may begin to think, you know what, we ought to be able to win that game anyway. But it's always so difficult to win on the road in this conference. But by the time we get to Fayetteville, who knows what kind of football team they're going to have. They, they may have already quit. Because, again, they're staring 3-9 and nine right in the face. Right in the face. So, we'll see. But that's kind of how I see it today. But excited to be back in Starkville. Excited uh, to get on the road. I, that Auburn trip is always a lot of fun. I, I enjoy going over to Auburn. I, that, we hadn't always played well over there, but I do enjoy going to Auburn. It is one of the better trips in the SEC. Something about us land-grant schools, they always kind of stick together. But... Uh, Really excited to kind of get back over there and uh, see how well State can play. The last time we went over there in 2017, we were we were awful, absolutely awful. And then we win the game last year here, and Auburn people feel like you know what, we had a couple of calls not go our way, and that was the difference in the ball game. Uh, they will come out ready to go, and that's a team that's really confident right now after going on the road and winning at College Station. It's going to be a raucous environment. It'll be a primetime environment. So if you're a Mississippi State fan. And you can get to Auburn, Alabama this weekend. Mississippi State needs you to be there. They they need you to be there. Listen, we've been there and we've had some big moments at uh, Jordan-Hare Stadium. But, man, it is a tough place to go play. And so any support you can offer is huge for Mississippi State. Remind you, if you hadn't done so, please go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com. Pre-order your copies of Stark Villains. I'll be, uh, pre- I'll be signing all those. We will have an October release date. I will hopefully have a firm date on that in the next week or so. Uh, it's one of those things that um, you live and learn. You know, it's like I, I've been done for a long time, and we're, we're waiting, you know, for a firm date, uh, you know, from the publisher. I have an agent that handles all that sort of stuff. And so once we have those, we'll start announcing book signings, and we'll get your pre-order books in the mail. That's how it all works, you know. So, and, uh, again, you, you pre-order the book, and then when it's released, you get a copy. And we're going to get those mailed out as soon as we have them. And so hopefully... If things go well, you know, we'll have some October book signing set up. And then, of course, November, December will be very, very busy. Looking forward to seeing you guys out there uh, on the road at ball games and at book signings and uh, excited about what is to come. And if you hadn't ordered your T-shirts and hoodies, please, it's going to be getting cooler soon, believe me. Believe me, I know it doesn't seem like it, but it is. You get those hoodies, get your Stark Villain stuff at StarkVillains.com. Reminder, too, I'm going to be doing a Facebook Live show tonight on the Bulldogs 247 Facebook page. Go and like that page. You can keep up with all of our free content. We don't put our VIP stuff over there. All free content. And uh, Facebook Live show, 8 p.m. Central on the Bulldogs 247 Facebook page. Trying to do those Mondays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. And they've been wildly successful already. Really appreciate all the support, but you can come and check that out. Back with you later today, I guess, with me and Dave Murray with our uh, recap of what Jim Moray had to say. And uh, look forward to seeing you guys this weekend. 
Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.